Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Hello, 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 hello. I hope you're well. I'm in a good mood today and I'm pleased at all this nonsense that's gone on because it's kept us interested. We might not <laughs> like what it's all going on and we, we might disagree with a lot of the things from the SPFL, but you know what? It's given us something to occupy our minds when normality of, of being quarantined, quarantined, uh, has has led to frustration with family members and kids and parents if you stay with them. This has given us a little something different. And it's the gift that keeps on giving. Because just when you think, that's it, no more <laughs> statements for a while, we've done it again. A Wednesday podcast. We have a decision today that all the Hearts players have decided that they're going to accept a wage cut on the back of a letter from six of the seven or eight of the nine SPL exec members yesterday, which was uh, rather derogatory in tone. Today, uh, we've had a question and answer session with the head honcho of the SPFL who asked the questions and then answered them. And now we've had Neil Doncaster appearing on BBC and Sky. So plenty to talk about today. How are you? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. Yes, there's nothing like scandal and corruption, alleged, (laughs) alleged scandal and corruption to keep us interested and it was it was that theme that we ended last week's show which um, I think you'd thrown your potential Netflix expose title out there for one on the SPFL which we will get to later we'll get to some of your suggestions listeners um, but your one was subterfuge and skullduggery oh, which, yes. which which I then threw in um, what I thought was a relevant piece of music at the end of the podcast last week. I am going to assume that you and everyone else listening had no idea what it was. Yeah, what was it? But you get the feel, don't you, when you listen to it? It sounds kind of cheesy, bad guy. It sounds sounds a bit murder she wrote. Uh, (laughs) It sounds a bit like 80s, late 80s kind of Sunday night ITV (laughs) music what, what exactly was it slightly earlier era wise well basically i look i want to look up i thought i want a cheesy bad guy tune um you know in a kind of yeah a, a, a subterfuge and skullduggery type of sense mm, so yeah i used to watch the man from uncle remember that ah uh, yes used to watch the 60s one it was repeated when i was a kid when we only had four channels so used to watch that with when you pro- were a kid what 2015 Come on, Bug son. Off. The nineties. Um, oh, the nineties. Woo, son. <laughs> with Napoleon Solo and Ilya Kuryakin. Remember that? There are people listening to this who've got wank mags that are older than that. Come on. That, <laughs> we, what have we done? Is that five minutes in and I've already dropped one of those? You're Apologies, lowering that boys and girls. Um, oh, Lord, it's lower than a snake's belly anyway. So was that the theme from The Man From Uncle? Well, it, not specifically. Do you remember who the bad guys were in The Man From Uncle? <laughs> Ah, no, because that was what, the 60s? Yes, I I always love this. Thrush. Thrush. Yes, that was was the evil organization, which, which, (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so it was. Who did it? Was, and it was what? It was Wasp in the pilot movie, by all yes, accounts. Yes, and Crush stood for technological oh. hierarchy for the removal of undesirables and the subjugation of humanity. <laughs> Very good. So that was, yeah, good. So that was the, that's the tune that I played at the end. I'll play it again now. This was it. This is what I ended the last podcast with. That song is The Man from Thrush. Now, this was the Thrush theme, which was actually composed by Lalo Schifrin, who also created the Mission Impossible theme tune, which you will have heard in, obviously, the Tom Cruise franchise, but originally a little bit earlier in the old TV series, which I also watched, because back in the day, folks, and you know, I can, you know, people will listen to this a lot younger than me, so you can't always pretend like everything I say is going to be the the contemporary approach, but you know, it's what we watched, Mission Impossible, the old A-Team, Man from Uncle, the yep, Avengers, yep. Airwolf, yep. stuff like that. Yeah, the new new Avengers with, that's the other thing, it may have sounded a little bit light when Gareth Hunt and Joanna Lumley were in the new Avengers um, back in the day. Um, yeah, there was something, honestly, there was something Sunday night ITV, just before <laughs> like World in Action, um, about the theme tune, yeah. And we, I believe we've had some some right good uh, right good suggestions for what we would call a pilot show about the SPFL to try and sell to to Netflix. Um, people have got too much time on their hands because they they, they come Don't, up with yes, some right, right good stuff. Right, yeah, I suppose. But just smart, just just clever, um, without being litigious. <laughs> um, my favorite, and it is, it, I, you'll mention who who it was from. It came in two or three times. The Lying King. Yes. <laughs> A good one, indeed. We will get to that. So we'll get to your suggestions for title and how you would sell a expose, a documentary to Netflix on the SPFL scandal and what's been going on. We're going to talk about what Mark said as well, the Q&A from the SPFL chairman and the latest goings on in that. And we're also going to talk about your favourite non-hearts footballing days out. So plenty to get through on this week's show. So first up, the got the next oh good, the next episode in the <laughs> SPFL saga. Um, so just just earlier today, actually, it was published uh, Chairman Murdoch McLennan doing a Q and A. Which you say a Q and A? Who who's doing the Qs? The SPFL? They just seem to have... no. He's doing the Qs and he's doing the As. Just just but yes, the SPFL interviewing themselves. Go figure. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, we're going to get into this. You might have some things to mention. I've got a few things we'll go through. I don't want to get through everything because it was so lengthy, really. It was three, it was three and a half thousand words stretching Jesus. to nine pages. And I'd like in this hour to, to actually talk a little bit about hearts. Yes. Eventually. So, <laughs> we shall. So a few things. You can, If I miss anything out that you felt was mm. relevant and you know, so just fire in. Um, early on he goes on about Rangers allegations, he gets into the fact the majority basically backed the resolution he talks about the silent um, minority uh, sorry, the silent majorities he puts it and he says, quote other people may be more vocal but can but care should be taken to consider their motives, okay, yeah 
Rangers, Hearts, Stranraer, they have selfish reasons, of course, for being against the resolution. But should we not also be considering the motives of the others, such as SPFL board members that signed off a letter to all clubs this week, one that you've already mentioned, and those signing off happen to be Alan Burrows of Motherwell FC, one point ahead in the race for Europe. Les Gray of Hamilton, second bottom, currently getting out of their relegation fight. Ewan Cameron of Alloa, five points off the bottom, now avoiding relegation. Ken Ferguson of Brecon, bottom of bottom of the table, <laughs> seven points <laughs> adrift, having played a game more than their nearest rivals, and about to be saved from relegation by the resolution. Okay, fair Good enough. Good old Ken. Fair Good enough. old Teflon Don. <laughs> Don and Montrose, yeah, you, you maybe can't argue the same with them, but the bulk of the people signing this off. Now, I guess the, 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 the issue with this whole thing, and I think you pointed it out maybe when you said before, this possibly shouldn't be a members' organisation. Self-preservation and looking at your own needs and what works best for your club, it, of course people are going to do that. But it just seemed ironic that this, not even passive-aggressive, to be honest, it's very aggressive. Everything coming out for the SPFL is very aggressive and very defensive right now. But to to be saying you should take, be take, take care to consider the motives of those who are voicing... They're obviously displeasure with what has gone on, but well, what about the motives of everyone who's very, very actively backing it? Of course, everyone's got their own motives. I just can't, I, I don't like the... To- it's hard. It's like trying to have sarcasm in, on computers or social media or whatever. It's always that danger. It's not taken mm-hmm. as being sarcastic. Uh, but trying to set a tone in, in words that aren't spoken but are written can at times be difficult, but I think the SPFL have managed to be derogatory and dismissive in their tone wonderfully well. Uh, if it's not the letter to the clubs yesterday, which of course was signed by many of the exec committee, but not by Stuart Robertson of Rangers, <laughs> who was having nothing to do with it, quite rightly so. Uh, uh, then the three and a half thousand words from Murdoch McLennan. There's, there's such a bias in this. I get it's a member's organisation, but they think what they want that is best for them should be for for everybody else. What have they got to hide? This is what I don't get. Um, If Rangers had something, and I've done some digging, uh, um, you can take the journalist out of Scotland or whatever it is, um, but blah, blah, blah. I've I've asked a few questions to a few people in in Scotland and I've got got some different answers, but the the one thing, A, no one seems to know um, what Rangers have and those that kind of, claim they've heard something suggests it isn't <laughs> what they think is uh, is going to blow the back pages apart and become front page news. Um, the suggestions that I've heard two or three different times from different people, both in the game and used to be in the game but have contacts in the game, is that the suggestion is that Rangers were told by someone at the SPFL, the whistleblower, that the Dundee vote was actually received before the 5pm deadline. And that is what a couple of people are claiming that they have, Rangers have, on the SPFL. Um, Again, what I would say with regards to Neil Doncaster, and you said last week, who would you rather have, Doncaster or Trump? I said Doncaster because he's honest. It hasn't been handled well at all, this thing. And the SPFL, um, they've lost so much respect and they didn't have much from fans in the first place. But the perception of the organisation is now a laughing stock. Um, but the one thing I would say in Neil Doncaster's defence 
if someone said to me that they wanted me suspended until an investigation took place um, and the lawyer who I work with, regardless if you had or hadn't done it, you come up with some information, come up with some evidence. And he's saying the allegations are unacceptable and causing intolerable strain. I, I get that. I totally get that because I know they want an independent inquiry, Rangers. We all do into this. And as I said, what have they got to hide? But if they've got something right now, Rangers, and rather than emailing the 41 other top flight or, sorry, uh, 42 clubs, emailing 41 of them, the other 41, and saying this is what we've got, they need to do that. They need to explain what's going on. They can't say, well, we're not going to release it unless we've got an independent um, investigation. Well, now they're saying, well, we want an EGM. Well, you're still going to need 75% of, of the clubs. I think it's 32 or 42 clubs you're going to have to, to get on board to have this. That's unlikely as well. So just come out with it. Let us know what you've got. Then they can defend themselves. Someone's going to look stupid. Someone's going to look even more stupid. Mm -hmm. It's either going to be the SPFL. But right now, the longer this goes on, I think it's going to be Rangers. But that's what I think they've got. And again, no one really knows is um, the one thing I've, I've heard from two or three different people is that there's a suggestion that um, someone inside the SPFL, the whistleblower, um, has informed Rangers off the record or whatever that, yes, the Dundee vote was received. No one knows. Until they come out and say what they've got, we will have to wait and see. Yeah, I think that's where it be. That's one of the bits where I don't think people can argue it's crossed the line. I mean, you could even say, and there's... You know, paraphrasing again, he basically claims you know there's there's no harm in an SPFL board member or, or whoever speaking to clubs and trying to convince them of one way or the other, uh, which is probably be true to an extent. But That's I fair. Anyone but, who's done lobbying will yeah, will have experienced exactly. that. But I've watched House of Cards. <laughs> which one, B or A, before or after Kevin Spacey? <laughs> um, B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, the lobbying goes on everywhere. And if you want something, you do your best to try and get something. But lobbying is allowed to take place the other way as well. And by the way, Rangers would have been lobbying. Hearts would have been lobbying. Um, and and that, that's the whole issue about this. I think the difference is when if they've received someone saying, here is my vote, that's, you know, this way. And they've went, nah, nah we're not having that. That's going to change the whole thing. Let's not accept that. And then something in between happens there's definitely something more to that there's why would you suddenly decide at that point i just uh, even if it's to do with the the release of it, i i just can't see how if they have evidence that it was definitely received and the spfl deliberately not accepted or not acknowledged it that's when that's that's yes. when it becomes corrupt basically that's not just lobbying them saying please can you vote this way or the other that's going no let's ignore that vote Let's release the information. That will probably influence them. At the very least, even if someone's not spoken to them, they've then released the information that it's there, which, suge which suggests it's their vote they're waiting on. But, but there's, a, there's a lot in this. And I mean, he goes on to loans. And this bit annoyed me as well, because he starts waffling on about giving, when the SPA, when well, the SPL at the time gave a loan to Gretna and clubs lost yes. their money because they ultimately couldn't pay it back, which totally misses the point. This isn't talking about giving a loan that clubs need and they'll have to, and you're just going to hope they'll be able to pay it back. This is money that they will get at some point from you. It's not, you're, it's an advance payment effectively we're talking about. So I don't know how that was remotely compatible. It just seemed, I read, I was like, what are you talking, what has that got to do with anything? 
We're not talking about you giving all the clubs loans that in no way they'll then be entitled to. It just it just seemed like throwing bollocks out there. Just do you know what one of the other things that uh, about this? If Doncaster or Murdoch McLennan or anyone else associated and and Les Gray to an extent on BBC Sports Sound, I don't think it was last Sunday, but God knows every day is the same these days. Whenever it was, it was a Sunday Sports Sound that Les Gray of Hamilton was on, and he did admit it could have been handled a lot better. But you want that from from the top. Yeah. You want that from Murdoch McLennan. You want that from from the old Doncaster. We mm. fucked up. We're sorry. We shouldn't have done this. It wasn't illegal. It could have been handled better. We've had that it could have been handled better from a couple of different people. But just come out and say you're sorry. We're in a, a, a political climate these days, especially over here, where, I mean, sales of Lysol and Dettol, where you can buy them, um, went up. And there were states that were announcing that there, there had been an increase in the number of people admitted to hospital or to medical organizations because they dabbled with, but this is what we're in because there is no, you've got an opportunity the next day to come out and to say, that was a stupid thing I said yesterday. We are all guilty of saying stupid things. I do it on a weekly basis on this <laughs> podcast, but it's, I'd like to think it's it's harmless. Of course we do. And the first thing I will do, if it's proved I've said something that is either factually incorrect uh, litigious, which I hope I would never do, I'd come out and I'd apologise because as long as you're accepting of that, but there is no mea culpa, whether it's Trump or politics or SPFL or whatever it is, there's not enough of it. You get far more respect. Why do you think the younger politicians that are coming through, you might not like what they stand for, but a lot of them are kind of saying, you know what, we've seen this shite for so long, this cover-up, this smear, this nonsense. We're going to try and be as honest as possible. And if we screw up, we're going to put our hand up and say, you know what, we could have done that better. That's when you get more respect from people, when you stand up and you apologize and you say, this hasn't been good enough. Instead, you're getting the blame, you're getting the deflection, and ultimately, you're getting the whataboutery. Fuck your whataboutery. Yeah, I mean, Tom English said um, his tweet, which is which I'm quoting, is if SPFL chairman Murdoch McLennan really wants to answer questions, he'd be better off making himself available to journalists for once rather than conducting a Q&A with himself. Uh, Murdoch McLennan has been a senior media executive for 40 years, but is now strangely, strangely reluctant to talk to the media, which is which is fair enough. I mean, and to be honest, you read the journalistic reactions to this, and most are... And this is people without, you know, you could claim some of them who have maybe allegiances to clubs who are, who are losing out to this as such. They've they've got a, some agenda, but most of them are neutral or don't have a direct, um, aren't directly affected in terms of clubs that they might have a leaning towards. And most of them are like, this is bollocks. It's still bollocks. More needs to be done. More answers are still needed. And I don't know. And the SPFL must see this. I can't. They're not not. They won't be ignoring the news stories, ignoring all these tweets and things going out on the internet and in the papers. They must be seeing it and know how bad this looks. And they can. And you can claim all you want that certain clubs obviously have their own agenda, and of course they do. But that doesn't change the fact that this has been handled abysmally and to the point of these questions about corruption that really need to be answered. Otherwise, it's always going to be hanging around. There's another issue to this, Laurie, and that is 
the questions, you can only answer the questions that you're asked. If they're layup questions, if they're easy questions, then you're giving someone an opportunity to get away with it. Now, Luke Shanley is a good friend of mine. Um, he took over from me at uh, Talk 107 and then at Sky when I was a freelancer there. And I, I think he's a good, good journalist. I haven't listened to his interview with Neil Doncaster in full. Uh, Chris McLaughlin um, at the BBC, <laughs> him and I went for the same job when he got that job and I didn't um, way back. Again, I think he's a very good journalist. Um, Chris, haven't listened to, I've just heard the snippets of the answers from Neil Doncaster. But Doncaster's answers there can only be as, I mean, he'll try and twist it. He'll try and um, make or say a lot without saying anything at all. But if we could, remember a couple of weeks ago, I said if you had one question that you were guaranteed an answer to with regards to the SPFL, that, that's the thing. And for them to, to come out, if they were to do uh, a kind of Q&A um, with a host of journalists, the problem you've got, it's like going to the, the kind of Rose Garden at the White House and uh, the, the select few that that day get, uh, get treatment. They're only going to get to ask the question if um, President Trump decides that that's, that's who he wants to pick. So you need the right questions to be asked. And I know they'll try and bat them away, but Doncaster's very good at facing hard questions and deflection tactics or whatever. That's why he's in charge of the organization, getting 300 and something thousand a year, representing the clubs. They know they can put him up before the media, whether it's Luke, whether it's Chris, um, whether it's kind of the, I mean, I would, I would class Chris as probably a, a hard hitting um, when it comes to asking questions. Tom English is, is another. You might not agree or like what they do. I've got a lot of time for them, them both because they'll ask hard questions of someone. Now, Neil Doncaster can answer them, whether he spins it or whatever. Um, a former a friend of mine, a former colleague of mine, we used to call him Zanussi because he spun so much. <laughs> it was the old Zanussi washing machine. I think there's a reason why Murdoch McLennan has not been put in front. He's He's been in media for 40 years, but all it takes is one slip of the tongue, one bad thing you've said. Look at Trump and the, the, the detergents and everything like that. That's what gets the headline. Doncaster can handle them. That's why Murdoch McLennan's not being put out in front of the cameras. Um, but for Doncaster, if he got really tough questions, would he be able to, to get them? What, what could you ask him right now? The, my, my question to Doncaster would be, how would you go about, you and your organization, because he's remember he says he's only the mouthpiece for the 42 clubs, I'd say, how would you go about repairing the damage caused to the reputation of the SPFL by this screw-up? I wonder what he would say. They, mu they must know that the, they must know the reputations in tatters. They're not that non-self-aware, are they? I don't think I, I wouldn't think so. It's just whether they care or not would be, I guess, the, the issue. Do you care if you got a job or not? I mean, is he is he Teflon? Is he someone that no matter what, as long as the club <laughs> well, vote him vote him in, then he, he's going to be okay? Well, they seem to why, be. Yeah. Why would you, if you were a club, um, why would you want someone else in charge? And th think about it. Um, when Ralph Topping was there. Ralph Topping, uh, former CEO of William Hill, I think it was, when he when he was involved with the SPFL. He's someone who's dealt at the highest level. Just because you've been there, that doesn't necessarily mean you can answer awkward questions. He could. And you, you didn't really get the same extent of, of headlines 
when he was there, as as we're getting now, that I mean, Doncaster's come in. He's a businessman. He's a businessman that knows how to answer a question. Have the right questions been asked, though? Possibly not. Some of the questions that the SPFL asked themselves, um, we got, (laughs) was enough information made available to clubs? I'll just quote this bit, um, one of the parts from this. The board had to read through literally hundreds of pages of information in the weeks before the resolution and accompanying briefing notes were sent to clubs. It would not have been appropriate to send this excessive information to clubs. Instead, a summary document 15 pages long was sent to clubs containing all key information. I am entirely satisfied that clubs received sufficient information to enable them to make an informed decision on the director's written resolution. So, really the only option they got from this was finish the season. Hundreds, hundreds of pages of information, and there was no way you could put a proposal just to release prize money and have it voted on. I, I failed to believe that but um it goes on why did the spvl publish the vote uh, the vote results shortly after the 5 p.m um 5 p.m yes. deadline on the friday when not every club had voted this is fuck, this is nonsense honestly um imagine if you or if we'd refused to give any update on how voting had gone i know that the league's pr team had received numerous calls from journalists in the minutes after 5 p.m desperate for an update on the voting if we hadn't published those numbers we would have been accused of unwarranted secrecy we were simply being open and transparent. The only alternative, not knowing when Dundee would return, would have been to tell everyone, all 42 clubs and the media included, that there would be nothing said until all 42 had returned or the 28 days had expired. Given the urgency of the situation for some clubs that we did not know when the outstanding three would, if ever, be made, the board judged silence to be untenable. What a load of bollocks. Unwarranted secrecy. Come on now. Just, just <laughs> that up, sounds like it's been written by the only unexcused script writers. Just, just update everyone saying we haven't received all club votes yet, and as per SPFL rules, they have twenty-eight days. Once we have votes confirmed, we'll release the details. There's nothing to do with the SPFL then. No one can say, "Oh, well, why have you not got all the votes?" I, I, it just seemed bollocks. Like, why, why would that be an issue? Who's going to complain if you go, look, guys, we can't publish anything because we don't have the votes in yet? Simple. So the, P- the PR stop. agency, <laughs> the PR agency representing the SPFL is the big partnership. Yeah. Um, and Alex Barr is the founder of the big partnership. And I used to deal with a big partnership many, many years ago. Um, I know for a fact, because I was told, not with the SPFL, but they have a client who I'm not going to, um, I'm not at liberty to see who they are, but they charge that client for guidance and advice £400 per day, right, for usage. That's not crisis management. That's just be there in case we need you or whatever. If we call upon you, right, this is our fee. This is what you do for us. Can you imagine how much this is costing? And they're talking about all and, and the, the kind of shadiness of the, the, the murkiness of the do you want to spend unlimited amounts, and I'm paraphrasing <laughs> here, um, of, of clubs money fighting and contesting this. How much are the big partnership charging the SPFL for so-called crisis PR, whether it's guidance or writing press releases or, or whatever? And if it was the – I don't know who wrote that. Um, I'm not casting aspersions um, on that, but that could have been done so much better, the, 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 the statement. But how much are, are they charging – the SPFL. How much did Deloitte charge the SPFL for a so-called independent inquiry that no one was really aware was was taking place? And oh, guess what? It came to the conclusion that nope, nothing awry 
we can't find anything, no problems, yep, everything was above board. <laughs> the, it just, it, it stinks. And I just, just come out. We're too far down the road now. They've had their opportunity. They've, they've had their chances to come out. And I'm saying about Doncaster, mea culpa or what. Murdoch McLennan's come out and he's given his Q&A to himself and has been nine pages, three and a half thousand words. Fine. He's had his chance. He's not taken it. Neil Doncaster had his chance, again, with the mea culpa. Hasn't taken it as well. We're too far down the road now for the apology to be effective. So where do we go from here? EGM, May the 12th? Yes. Will that even take place? Well, I was going to get onto that because, like you say, overall doesn't really add much. Just some overly defensive, overly aggressive, um, overly wordy responses to questions that they've set out. Um, the letter they sent out, I'm, you know, amid allegations of bullying and strong-arm strong tactics, almost backed up those accusations. Um, you know, after calls from Hearts, Rangers and Stranraer, an EGM will take place on the 12th of May in regards to an independent investigation into the SPFL. Needs 75% approval that the previous resolution required as well. If it gets that, the letter states, this is now, quote that, if the clubs vote... Uh, vote that we should spend our executives' time on matters other than seasons 2019-20 and 2020-21 and, and clubs' money on lawyers' fees, then we will. Christ, I mean, <laughs> it's basically like saying, well, if you fucking make us do it, then we will, but we're not going to be happy about it. I mean, the EGM's been called as per their rules because the right amount of members have requested it. And they're they're basically acting up about it. When they when they hide behind the rules for everything else, it, it just it's frustrating. And I think the most frustrating thing for me about it is so many when it comes to fans are still not looking beyond either the fact it's not touching their own club directly too much, or the fact that they're just enjoying seeing the fact that it'll put Rangers or Hearts, you know in a difficult position that, that they're enjoying the frustration of those clubs when it's it's bigger than that it's it's bigger than just oh hearts shouldn't get saved by this or rangers were never going to win the title anyway it's not it, it's not a petty thing this it's not one of those things that we enjoy or we should, the things that we should enjoy having a little dig at each other for it, it just i wish people would look at the bigger picture i think that's my main frustration is if if there really was a groundswell against them I think it would change things, but at the moment, people can just point at it as everyone looking after themselves, self-preservation, Rangers' hearts are always going to argue, no matter what came out here. But I think it, sh it should be more than that. should be, but it won't be. No. Should we make it slightly lighter? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Let's make it lighter. So last week, we spoke about the fact that Netflix could have a documentary expose on the SPFL. And um, Mark, of course, what was your one? Subterfusion, skullduggery. Indeed. That was Mark's suggestion for it. So we put it out there and we got quite a few suggestions. So let's get stuck into some of these just now. Um, George Hobb says, The Dundee Call. And he's added a, a sort of a tagline to go with is if you're looking for cash i can i can tell you i have money and i do have a very particular set of skills skills i have acquired over a very long career skills that might make me a nightmare for people like you if you vote yes now that will be the end of it 
And I guess that needs a, a Liam Neeson accent to go with it. I mean, you could kind of feel like Liam Neeson could probably convince anyone. Maybe that's who they had on board. He's got a very convincing voice, doesn't he? <laughs> It does. What is it now? What are we at? Taken 14 or something like that? Oh, I don't know anymore. But do you know, I watched, um, just because, you know, we're filling the time, watch some of the old, uh, the old, they're not even old, the Chronicles of Narnia um, films. And Aslan is Liam Neeson, the voice of Aslan, the voice of God within the Narnia universe. And he's just got that voice of authority. Maybe, maybe Liam Neeson should head up this this um, inquiry just 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 for his voice. <laughs> Jesus, this is up there with the the tangenticities of of days <laughs> gone by. How did we how did we get to to Liam Neeson from the? As you were talking, I was thinking, why don't they put the guy George from Phonejacker uh, in charge <laughs> of the SPFL? Do you do you ever, do you remember George? His surname was A G D G D G W N G O. Um, vaguely, I did. Put a clip of, put a clip in here when you do your little edity thing at the end to make us all sound better than we actually are. Put a little clip of George and the Dugongo and the pigeon, just for the sake of it. Because if you're getting away with a Liam Neeson, let let him be because he's got a voice of authority. Put George from Phonejacker in here, okay. just because. Okay, just here's because. here's George from Phonejacker, just because. Yeah. Hello. 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 Good evening, sir. I'm calling from your credit card company. I'm in bed. I'm sorry? I'm in bed. Well, I cannot help that, sir. Uh, basically, uh, what has happened is uh, we've seen the database that the details of your credit card uh, seem to be missing, sir. Fuck off. I beg your pardon? I'm glad I put that in. So glad. Really, really added to, to what we're talking about. Um. Brypi04 says friend or foe, but after friend he's put L-I-E-S, so friendlies or foe, but also says lies in the bracket, doesn't it? So there's a lot of layers to that. Oh, you know, Yeah, I like that one. Uh, Ross Kelly says the good, the bad, and the ugly in bracket sisters. And that'll be in reference to certain two clubs in Glasgow, which all this often does appear to boil down to, but there's a lot more. <laughs> well, so that's that's basically saying no one else is involved in this at all, except Rangers and Celtic. No, but I mean, that's what often the headlines are made with, isn't it? Celtic's title or what? Rangers getting annoyed about it. Yeah, ex- exactly. But there's so much hypocrisy um, among all clubs that it's just, it's, it's scurrilous. It is. Um, Gordon Stitt, uh, didn't mess around, just said, I smell shite. So I guess that's the title of it, which is accurate, I suppose. From who? There's been so many that have come up with content. I wonder if anybody listens back to what they've actually said or written and thinks, ooh, I wish I hadn't done anything like that. Whether it's Scott Gardner on Radio Scotland, whether it's Murdoch McLennan, whether it's Neil Doncaster, whoever, whoever it is. Um, and and that's the thing. I'm sure we would have said something easily over the time that we've been discussing this that we look back and go, shit, did I actually say that? It's hard, but we've got nothing else to talk about. Um, 
It is. It's not a filler podcast. I said to you before we came on here, I actually enjoy um, the, the, this hour. It gives me something to look forward to. It's a break from, from the norm, and it continues normality of what I used to be used to. You know what I mean? We did this yeah. every single week. We're still doing it every single week. Um, and, and, and coming into today, I know the whole thing's not ideal for everyone, hearts especially, because we're bottom of the table and Partick and Stranraer. But if you if you kind of take the allegiances to one side, it's given us, it's given Scottish journalists a hell of a lot to write about. It's given fans a hell of a lot to read and, and to listen about. What would, what would it be like if it was just another normal? Is there such a thing as normal in Scottish football? If it was, if there was no drama when we weren't playing. What would we have filled the time with? I'm sure we would have found something, but yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely kept us going. And um, Mr. Parachute says Anne on wire, so a little play on the documentary. What's that, about ten years ago? The tightrope walker between the twin towers documentary, Man on Wire, Anne on wire. So Anne Budge on that the tightrope of Hearts relegation. I, I saw the Photoshop of, of Anne superimposed on the wire. It, oh, it's was probably there one? Oh. better yeah, it's probably better as a visual gag than an audio gag. I didn't see but that. Very, but... very very clever. Um Amarusa lets it run says corruption never goes out of style. I think that's the <laughs> the tagline to go with it. <laughs> Hello, yes, uh, your lawyer's on line one <laughs> and line two and line three and line four. Oh whatever. Um Bozzy uh, says has a couple of suggestions. The Self Preservation Society, which mm-hmm. which is fairly accurate. I guess I mention um, every week. The the day the vote stood still. <laughs> I like that. Crocodiles and Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> That's genius. I know. It's who's, who's saying that in? Uh, Bozzy on Twitter. B O Z I. Bozzy. Bozzy. Maybe Bozzy. One Twitter. T- doesn't matter what your name is. You've won Twitter. Cro- crocodiles and <laughs> That's Dundee. That's a good one. That's a good one. Brilliant. Um, um, then he actually sent another tweet. Or she actually, I don't I've just got the name here. Um, having read the SPFL statement, I change it to the League of Extra- Ex- Extraordinary Bullshit. I can get my words <laughs> out there. So some good suggestions from Bozzy. Or, or Bozzy. Like a hug. Bozzy. You know that? Uh, no. Is that like young hipster chat? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's maybe a fur- further north thing. Like a bozy. Give me a bozy. A wee hug. That's that's Doric bullshit. <laughs> Probably you is. Come, you come south of the Tay Bridge and I don't think there's many bozies <laughs> understood anywhere. The Tay Bridge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sounded like Mel Gibson in Braveheart for a moment there. Um, <laughs> what? I'm, I'm Scottish. I know, but your, your accent turned into pretend Scottish. Right. By the um, way, let, let's t- t- time for a quick tangent. Why, in the movie <laughs> A Shot at Glory, did they hire an American, Robert Duval, to coach a team and um, on a Scottish accent when the rest of the cast was Scottish? Why didn't they just hire a Scottish actor to be to play a Scottish manager? Yeah, it made yeah. no sense. Yeah. Anyway, what a shite movie that was. It was gloriously <laughs> shite, though. It was. It was very. It's like in Highland. Yes, but, it's like in yeah. Highland, Highlander when everyone's pretending to be Scottish. Then the one Scottish person turns up. Hello, I'm from Morocco. It's like what? <laughs> Why? 
Why have you made the only Scottish person not Scottish? <laughs> and while we're on this tangent, um, I love the, the, the comments that Martin Compston was putting out on Twitter. I'm now pronouncing all T's, having gone very Scottish with the tea bridge a couple of minutes ago. And he, he said he was accused by so many of having an absolutely shite Scottish accent um, when he was, he was doing... Um, that wonderful BBC Scotland show of uh, of a few weeks ago, The Nest, uh, because everyone thought he was uh, he was English because of his character in in Line of Duty. So there there you go. No, it must have seen too many people didn't see Sweet Sixteen. Great film back when he was still. Oh, a... It was. Oh, no. He had to make the choice shortly after that. I, I listened to. Uh, he's done a couple of. I think he did one with Cy Ferry, and he did another one with um, Gordon Smart, I believe. And it, it was around that time where he had to choose. He was, he was a, like he was, a, he was a footballer who would probably be a, a sci ferry journeyman. Um, he, he'd, he'd probably bounce around the lower leagues. He, he said himself he was never good enough to make the, the step up, and he didn't really know if 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 he was going to be good enough to be an actor. But after that movie, he thought, you know what? It got critical acclaim. It's a very, very good. It's Ken Loach's movie, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Sweet Sixteen, and he's he's a wonderful film director, and he's he's gone on and he's made the the right career choice, and and he's been brilliant. But for those that kind of had a go at him for his Scottish accent, saying, "God, I can't believe you try to put on a Scottish accent. Why don't you just stick to the normal accent you have in Line of Duty?" <laughs> they didn't they didn't have a clue. It's it's hard though. It's, there's a lot of British actors over here um, that have to put on a well, don't have to put on. They've been cast as American characters and. Yeah. It's so so hard, and they're excellent at it. Because you, you're not going to be hired ahead of an American if your accent isn't a hundred percent. And I don't know if you get, I assume you get Chicago Fire and Chicago PD and Chicago Med over there. Um, the chief in Chicago Fire is is British. Um, I think again, Gail, I think my other half watch is Chicago yeah. Med. Yeah, I watch all three and I like it. The other one is Gillian Anderson from X Files. Yeah. Um, there is a word. Uh, when you're bilingual, you can speak two different languages. Um, she's by something. Uh, stop sniggering at the back. Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like, um, she was kind of brought up split between the UK and, and America. So in, when she's in the UK, she's she pretty much puts on, she just falls back into the British accent. When she's over here, she falls into the, the American accent. Um, so it's it's easy for her. It's not so easy for others. Uh, that's about a four-minute tangent. That's, it was. Uh, that's good for us. It was. Willie said, The Lion Kings, like you suggested. So <clears throat> Willie certainly gave us that one and then just followed up with Hakuna fucking Matata. Um, <laughs> don't know if that tagline will get picked up by Netflix, but you never know. Um, Ross Marshall says, What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> uh, Kyle, 1874. Rasmus. Rasmus did that song, In the Shadows. Indeed. I don't know who Rasmus are. I don't know where they're from. Are they Swedish or whatever? But I don't think they had another hit. But that was a good song. Uh, I was I was thinking more of there's um was a crappy film came out was there not? Oh, in the shadows or something. I don't know. I think so. Or was it decent? Um, this is now. This is this is this has gone off script. It's gone off. Anyway, sorry. It's gone, yeah, it's yeah. It's gone everywhere. And, and by the way, speaking of the Lion King, and I know it, there, there's a, a delay. There's a, a 15 second delay clearly because I was going to bring this up when it would have been pertinent to bring it up after the Lion King was mentioned. Um, a few doors down lives Ernie Sabella from me. Ernie Sabella was the voice of Pumbaa 
in The Lion King. There you go. He was also the naked man in Seinfeld, and he played the role of Leon Carosi in Saved by the Bell. And he lives a couple of doors down, the voice of Pumbaa. So maybe, so now we, we, we kind of have our title, or we're getting a few titles in. We then need to cast. We, we need to cast people in the roles. We, have, we need to have a Neil Doncaster. Um, obviously, Ernie Sabella's got to be involved because he was the, the original voice of Pumbaa in The Lion King. So who are we casting? Again, I digress. Back to the names, please. Back to the names. Uh, what have we got? Um, Kyle1874, Doncaster Down Under. Uh, Jerry Tate, uh, sorry, Jerry, Gary Tate says Liar Liar. Simple, to the point. Um, here's a good one. Kyle Oren says Dundee Day. Good. It's a good one. Yep. I like that uh-huh. one. These um, plays on Dundee, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty smart. Yep. Um, Mark McEwen says You've Got Mail. Which is, but, <laughs> but but with a question mark, with a question mark added. So, and the little sound effect would be the old AOL. <laughs> I don't know how it went. I'm not going to make an arse of myself, but the AOL sound. It wasn't doodle was it? That was something else. Whatever the AOL. You can. You're you're a technophobe. No, you're not a technophobe. I'm a technophobe. You're a, a tech wizard. <laughs> Intersperse the AOL, the old AOL. You've got mail sound into here right now. Very good, you did that well. See? <laughs> um, Darren Connell says, Scandal, profiteering, fraud, laughingstock. Inside Scottish football. Oof. Laid it off nicely. Um, GJM3 sell, says, uh, The Calchopoly 2.0. Um, I don't think we're going to get to Calchopoly levels um, that that what's basically it, it's funny it sounds like it's very memorable when you think of calciopoli and the whole italian football scandal but it just means not like memorable if you're a uv fan no but i mean the, the name says but it's just it's not just football gate or some, something similar is all it means it doesn't yeah calcio is italian yeah by the, yeah. the, the, the together it's just like so it's, it's it's just us calling it football gate which wouldn't really be very memorable, would it? As a name. Well, in, in in Dundee, does Dundee have more gates than any other city in the United Kingdom? Everywhere you go, there's a fucking gate at the end of whatever the street is, or the downtown Dundee's gates everywhere. Are there? Yes. Okay. Hundred percent. Like, like on the roads. No, just loads of gates. <laughs> not actual gates, but gates at the end of their. Of streets and areas, okay, like the Gallow Gate in Glasgow, that kind of thing. Oh, it's, not an, it's not an actual gate. Sorry. You don't have to get out of the car, open the gate, then get through. Sorry. Like this isn't seventeen hundred and something. Come sorry. on, sorry. Um, yeah, that I will have to accept. The, the, a little, I need a little, um, a, a little gif of the joke going over my head. Um, Jesus Christ! Yes, there are. There's. Um, Yes, there's the shopping centres, lots of gates. Um, I do apologise. It's okay, it's okay, because <laughs> the area occupied by the medieval borough of Dundee extends between Eastport and Westport, which formerly held the gates to the walled city. So maybe that is why. Nowadays, the gates have gone. There are no gates apart from in names. Okay. Well, let's close the gate on yes, on on football gate 
for now anyway. Let's let's fire some heart stuff out there. So um, you mentioned the, <laughs> the hearts podcast. It's taken forty eight minutes to get to hearts. Yep, but longer than usual. Um, mm. so playing staff all have now accepted a drop of between ten to thirty percent. Um, most were already due to have a cut of what was suggested would be twenty five percent if they went down. It it's been suggested that that won't happen if the relegation is confirmed. So these cuts will be there only ones for those who may be sticking around. Um, apparently two players took slightly longer than the rest to accept this, which is why it wasn't confirmed um, earlier. Uh, but it, it's gone through now. No reduction. The reduction, sorry, will be in place until at least August as things stand. I'm, I'm glad it has been resolved. It, it, I think it would have been a kick in the teeth for, for many if the Hearts players had not accepted this. Given, mm-hmm. given the circumstances, given the situation in the country where most people who, yeah, you know, even if you take take away the fact they earn more, I mean, because people have um, obviously outgoings relative to what they earn, but lots sure. of everyone's been taking pay cuts generally if they're not working. Um, so it seemed silly that they wouldn't take it. So I'm glad they did. Um, I wonder, do you think this will change things for a lot of other clubs? Because this, the deferral thing just... It's dangerous, isn't it? You've still got to pay it back. It just seems crazy, yeah. You're just building up this this, this, this loan you've got to basically pay out in one go in a few months. And it's going to be four or five months. I just We mentioned it last week. I just can't get my head around why, why others aren't doing it. Just Why should footballers be paid full? when they literally cannot do anything, there will be no way that their job is active for a long time when loads of other people are having to take cuts and maybe still doing their job or they're obviously temporarily furloughed and taking a 20% cut or whatever. It just seems ridiculous. It wouldn't be the way to do it. The Clause 12 in the standard SPFL contract is something that footballers in Scotland have but not your average Joe Bloggs who if they aren't working probably going to be furloughed or whatever Clause 12 stipulates the club doesn't need to pay you a thing. Now I think there was there was a, a kind of delay as well not just in the two players who allegedly didn't agree at first and then eventually agreed to, to take the wage cut at Hearts but I know PFA Scotland w- was involved in this because the players and the representatives were saying well wait a minute here if if the club invoke Clause 12, if I decide I don't want to do or take a pay cut and the club then would invoke Clause 12, which they said they didn't want to do, but would ultimately it would be the, the final option, would then that leave me able to walk on a free? I mean, you, you remember the whole Rangers scenario um, when they were reformed. They weren't demoted. It was a different club. And this is, I'm not getting involved in that argument because it's so petty. Any time, whether it's Michael Stewart, Tom English, whoever makes a comment about Celtic or Rangers, then you get the, the buffoonery and the village idiots that, that turn it to that or some other horrible, nasty stuff. And, and, and that's the problem. So, um, th- this is a situation for, for hearts in which, the players and the agents, because there isn't a precedent here, no one really knows. Clause 12 
contracts or, or the, the part of those contracts hasn't been invoked before. So there's always that danger. There's the, the potential lengthy legal fight. You're not going to be paid anything um, until you get another club. How many other clubs are want to be paying what you're on right now? Because that's the other thing about Hearts, Laurie. You've got to remember this as well. In a way, um, you, you could argue Hearts have kind of got out of jail here because of the way that they had structured a lot of the contracts, basically high basic and and a bonus structure, but not others where it's incentivized. Um, Hearts have Hearts have actually done all right out of this, and they've got all their squad to take between ten and thirty. Some have taken fifty. The manager's not taking anything at all as far as a wage is concerned. The rest have taken cuts. Um, whereas other clubs have got deferrals, which they're still going to have to pay. It's not ideal. It's not been handled brilliantly. But no one has been in a position where they knew what, what was going to happen. So in the end, I'm glad sense has prevailed. Um, there are one or two who you kind of thought, well, this might be an opportunity to, to kind of trim the fat of the squad. But I, I'm, I'm glad that we haven't got the, whether they were scapegoats or whether they were pickets or whatever they were, scabs. I'm glad there's none of that. I'm glad it's kind of, they might not all have wanted to do it, but they all have done it. Um, and, and it certainly, from the outside looking in, suggests unity. It might be a totally different story on the inside, but if that never gets out, who cares? Everyone has agreed to do so. Uh, hopefully it's all for one and one for all. And when we do eventually get back to playing football, those that are still under contract um, can give it their all. And if we still have a season um, to play in the top flight the rest of the games then hopefully they can get us out of the, the shit that they've got us in. If it's the championship, well, we will have to trim because we can't carry the squad that, that, that we've got. Um, but there are players in there that signed decent long-term deals and getting rid of them will be a lot easier said than done. Interesting, this is a side note, um, just because we're talking about Hearts players and Hearts contracts. You occasionally see this brought up this phrase every now and again and it actually doesn't mean much to a lot of people some people who are non-hearts fans so i mentioned it too but there was a story related to a certain brazilian footballer who plays for paris saint-germain and a possible exit um possibly back to his old club barcelona that is of course neymar and do you know the hearts link the the and uh, andy webster the webster ruling that 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 old phrase got you brought up again it's a funny one. Now, people listening, if you're younger, you might not know about this, or you might have just forgotten about it. So it's one of these where I admit, do you remember at the time it was meant to be huge? This was the new Bosman. Yep, it was the new Bosman. Yeah, it was gonna. This was gonna kind of rock the transfer market, rock football across the world, and it has been utilized, but it it never really kind of blew up like people expected it to did it did was there were there adjustments made to contracts to counter this or it's it's funny well, this... i don't know but what i think it's important is we tell what the webster ruling was stating that any player who signed a contract before the age of 28 can buy himself out of the contract three years after the deal was signed if he's 28 or older the time limit is shortened to two years so that was the the webster ruling I've heard it in, over the past few years just fleetingly. I mean, there's obviously so many transfers that, that take place. Uh, but we, yeah, it, it was the kind of, it was Bosman 2.0. 
wasn't it? Although Andy Webster did better at football than Jean-Marc Bosman. Oh, yeah, definitely. Chris, yeah, he, he, he ended up broke. broke. Yeah, and he never actually got... Although he won the ruling, it was years afterwards, and he had to play, like, amateur type football for a few years didn't he and he just his career completely disappeared i think he ended mm-hmm. up having lots of issues off the field and money problems i'm sure he had alcohol problems and just quite a sad story really because obviously and this is one that a lot of people probably won't know that when people say a bosman it's his name when you can leave at the end of your contract because before that which to me even seems a bit foreign because it was what mid-90s this happened so when I was first getting an understanding of transfers, it's kind of already started to creep in. And this was before that clubs would still have a hold of players, even at the end of contracts, didn't they? Yeah, remember Dundee United? There was the, the kind of Jaron Nixon way back in the day, and there was suggestions of other players, um, you're under contract for 10 years. And all the power was, was for the club. Um, once you'd signed that contract, that was you. Um, then the, the player power came... I, <laughs> I don't know if the pendulum has swung entirely to, to the other way. I'm just intrigued, and I've spoken about this a couple of times on Talk Sport, and, and other, I've heard other people talk about it as well in various media outlets. What's going to happen to the transfer market? It might not affect Scotland as much, because outside of Celtic and Rangers to an extent, you, you don't get big money signings. You get players moving um, for maybe seven figures. And we spoke about uh, this a few weeks ago, didn't we, about Hearts players, the most recent one that was sold for for seven figures. Um, but how's it going to affect the transfer market going forward? Because players are still going to be coming out of contract. I mean, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, is he less valuable now that he's still got the same contract expiry? Um, but do you want to be in a position whereby you're going to fork out what you would have forked out before all this happened? Or do you think the really rich ones um, can separate themselves and their clubs from the rest? And I'm talking at the top end of the Premier League even more so now. It's interesting how this is going to play out. It is. It is. And we'll have to keep keep tabs on that. But yeah, I mean, the Webster one, obviously Andy Webster had a dispute with Hearts, wanted to leave. He invoked that, I think, Article 17 uh, Hearts had talked about he was worth five million at first, and then I think was it FIFA awarded about six hundred grand initially, but then Webster appealed it, and I think in the end it was only about one hundred and fifty grand that that got settled yeah. on, settled upon, and he went to and he went to Wigan, and I think a lot of the controversy was the talk that he was it was Rangers that he'd be going to, and eventually he ended up at Rangers, albeit not yeah, the, directly. The, from what I remember, um, the compensation that due to Hearts was whatever was remaining on his salary. Yeah. The outstanding amount of his salary. So I believe it was like a quarter of a mil tops that was left on on his salary um, at the time. Yeah. And we lost out on that. But we got him back and he won the cup, this time playing in the final, which was which was good. And he so it, it all worked out fine in the end. It, it did, and we do have an addendum uh, to that because there was an, a FIFA transfer arbitration tribunal, the dispute resolution chamber, who met in April 2007, and they ruled that Hearts were due 625000 based on Webster's future wages, his earning potential, 
and the legal costs. And they also found Webster guilty of breaking his contract without just cause, although only on a technicality. So apparently we've got 625,000 out of that, which is uh, well, 4,375,000 less than we had valued him at 5 million. But the addendum two is on 30th of January 2008, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, the highest arbitration authority in sport, oh, met, met and clarified the original ruling. They also reduced the compensation due payable uh, by Webster to 150,000. There you go. It's the, the Webster story for everyone. Yeah, the Webster ruling. There you go. So I think that's going to bring us to the end. I was going to get onto the non-Hearts footballing days out, but it's going to get shelved, I think, for a second time. What we'll do is we won't do any homework for next time, so we will get to that because we've got a lot of people sent us things for this and it'd be quite good to go through them and... Again, it's not Can we start with that next week? We'll just start, we'll start with it. Yes. We'll start with hearts. Um, because a lot of people have sent us content from that and, and I've I've spouted more shite than usual this week about various other things. And uh, hopefully we'll have a hearts podcast about hearts next well, week and well, not just kind of uh, well, <laughs> an epilogue. Well the homework was non hearts footballing days out, so it's still non hearts, but yeah, but still. <laughs> Something. Um, You've got some editing to do today, pal. Good luck with that. I'm uh, sorry. Welcome to my welcome to my world every week. At least I've got more time on my hands to do it. So what else are you doing? Uh, not much, to be honest, not much. So, yeah, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all your contributions. We'll, we'll be back next week and we'll see where the next, I guess, controversy and, yeah, subterfuge takes us. What was our favourite one? Crocodile. Crocodiles and Dundee. Indeed. That's probably what we're going to lead with this week. This is That's probably going to heavily, heavily influence how this finishes. Until next time then, goodbye. Goodbye.